Welcome to another episode of our Six Questions podcast. I'm your host, Trent England. Glad to uh, have you back again and glad to be talking today with O.H. Skinner. He is the executive director of a group called the Alliance for Consumers, a fairly new group, but uh, we're all consumers. And so uh, important to all of us, I think we'll discover as we talk to OH. He's also the former Solicitor General for the state of Arizona. And he is joining us from the far, far north in Nova Scotia. Uh, hence, uh, we, we have a great audio, but no video. OH, welcome to Six Questions. Thanks for having me. And uh, I appreciate you guys working with my uh, very rural location today. Yeah, no, we're excited to uh, to have you on the the program and talk about your work at the Alliance for Consumers. That's question number one. What is uh, the Alliance for Consumers? Yeah, so Alliance for Consumers is a group that's focused on bringing a pro consumer, uh, more I would say pro consumer and frankly more conservative view to consumer protection. Uh, for a long, long time, the left has been able to just basically take over anything that was consumer protection related and your everyday consumer was, was kind of crushed in the middle because anything positive on consumer protection was feeding a left-wing machine and anything that a corporations liked or were pushing was, was very much a don't ever come after us for anything ever. And so there was this missing space, which was making consumer protection about consumers and making it not about pushing left-wing ideology and left-wing agendas. And we found a really important place here to, to push a lot of things that should be common sense to most people, but just weren't happening. That sounds good to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems like Ralph Nader for a long time has sort of cornered the, uh, cornered the market on, on so-called consumer protection. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was, it was feeding trial lawyers and it was feeding yeah. bureaucrats. I mean, Ralph Nader, you've got the Ralph Naders of the world and you've got government bureaucrats making consumer protection about themselves. I mean, so many of these cases that people would read about where a government or even a class action would settle and consumers would get nothing. I mean, really simple salient example is the National Association of Attorneys General has managed to amass $250 million over the course of the last 20 years from consumer protection cases. And in a ton of those cases, Consumers got nothing, right? They were just that was just bureaucrats feasting, and everyday people were getting maybe a coupon, maybe they get nothing, and and that was really that's an unsustainable and unacceptable way to do consumer protection. So, OH, you alluded to this already, but a lot of big corporations that in the past were perceived as just being all about profits, and you know that was kind of the argument for consumer protection, uh, have now become advocates activists for a lot of far left ideas, gender ideology, you know, things like that. And sometimes apparently at the, uh, at the expense of, of profit, I mean, what's, what's going on here is, is there more than meets the eye when, when it comes to some of these left-wing corporations that now kind of claim that they're, you know, that they care about consumers so much that they want to manipulate how we live our lives. Yeah. Well, look, this is a very complicated set of questions. I think that the easiest series of explanations is corporations just respond to input. And for a long time, you had left-wing, big um, mega asset managers like BlackRock, and you had consumer protection initiatives that were pushing them, pushing them, pushing them to the left, right? So you had BlackRock telling them that they had to do certain things on the climate 
And then a really simple example is like this left-wing law firm named Cohen Milstein. This is just one little example. Trend is not like a, you know, it's not the end all be all, but they brought a massive lawsuit against Google over their hiring practices. And when they settled the case, the main settlement was Google had to commit, I think it was a hundred million dollars to diversity, equity, and inclusion with like a new executive at Google overseeing this hundred million dollar pot of money that Google was going to spend to push itself to the left, right? So you had like consumer protection, investors, all of these inputs were saying, go to the left. And corporations were like, okay, we're going we're gonna to move. Um, and so I think there's a lot of explanations, but I think it's really hard to underestimate the effects of concerted push by the left through the black rocks of the world and through left-wing trial lawyers to kind of move these corporations you know, and so in my mind, they're movable back, right? It's possible to get them to to a different place over time. Yeah, that well, I I, I like your your optimism there. I mean, I I, I share that view. I, I want to jump back to your bio for just a minute. Uh, talking here with OH Skinner on our Six Questions podcast. Uh, in addition to being the executive director of the Alliance for Consumers, you're also the former Arizona Solicitor General. I suspect that there are at least some, maybe a lot of our listeners and viewers out there who don't know what that means. Solicitor General, what, uh, I mean, it's a really important, really interesting job, but OH, tell us what, what is a Solicitor General? What do you do for the state of Arizona? Sure. So uh, what I did for the state of Arizona at the end of my time serving uh, Attorney General Brnovich was I was the lawyer responsible for the state of Arizona's practice before the U.S. Supreme Court. So when we were defending uh, big voting rights cases or death penalty cases at the U.S. Supreme Court, that was my responsibility. Um, and I got to argue in the U.S. Supreme Court and win for the state of Arizona. Uh, but also a, a second component is that our job at the Solicitor General's office was to oversee the main federalism push, which was protecting the state from federal overreach. And so that could include filing comment letters on agency actions that were going to affect the state, suing uh, the federal government to protect our state's rights. So I oversaw a lot of the offensive litigation, a lot of the defensive litigation when like the Planned Parenthoods of the world or the ACLUs of the world would sue the state. Um, it was most of the high profile litigation uh, flowed through my team and it's probably the most rewarding job I'll ever have. And uh, I'm a transplant to the state of Arizona, but it was, I love doing it every minute that I got to do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great state. I was just uh, just out there recently, and uh, despite the intense heat, which really wasn't that much hotter than it is here in Oklahoma City, uh, it's really a, just a, a beautiful, dynamic uh, place, it, it, it seems to me. And, and somehow, despite the almost overwhelming growth in the Phoenix area, they they seem to manage the infrastructure at least a lot better than in the, the places on the West Coast that I've lived. So Arizona is doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out that when you run a state with slightly conservative pro-growth principles, um, the highways fit the people. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, OH, back to the Alliance for Consumers. You are a major critic of class action lawsuits. Our fourth question here on the podcast in your opinion, why are class action lawsuits a problem? They, they, supposedly, they you know this is one of the the key tools to defend uh, American consumers. 
Yeah, look, I mean, class action lawsuits as a whole aren't the worst thing in the world, but class action lawsuits in America these days are run by left-wing trial lawyers. And the result is a little bit like what I alluded to with that Cohen Milstein Google settlement. Time and time again, these lawyers take 40% of a case and they find wonderful and creative ways to send money to diversity, equity, and inclusion, to uh, the ACLU, to all sorts of other things that don't end up with a check in consumers' pockets. And they then take their 40% cut from these cases and they feed it into a thing that, that we loosely call the shady trial or pipeline, where they give 99% of their donations at the federal level to left-wing politicians and candidates and committees. And they're just playing a left-wing money game, right? They've really turned consumer protection into something that has almost nothing to do with your average consumer. It's very focused on feeding money into politics and then getting givebacks and kickbacks from political actors that they've supported. I mean, we talk a lot about how the Biden administration is constantly doing favors for left-wing trialers. And so when you understand that class action lawsuits these days aren't, they're not being done effectively, they're just being used as a tool, you can understand how consumers regularly get left with a raw deal on these cases. And that's really the frustrating thing about them, right? It's bad enough that the lawyers are going to take 40%. It's really bad when they take 40% and then find clever and creative ways to make sure that the rest of the money kind of never really reaches the people who need it the most. Yeah, it's it's fascinating when you watch that happen too. I mean, coming from, you know, you're an attorney, I'm an attorney, you know, but for non-attorneys out there, I mean, the whole theory behind a case like this is that you're you're making people whole, you know, you're recompensing people for some damage that they've suffered. And, you know, and then you see something like, you know, here in Oklahoma, we had lawsuits against the, the some of the companies that manufactured opioids, which were legal drugs, were often paid for by the government. And yet you watch, you know, not the people who were victims of you know, uh, of, of the abuse of these things and overdoses and all of that, you know, they, they didn't get very much of the settlement. A lot of it went into, you know, if it didn't go to the trial lawyers, it went to the government. And the government, again, had, had paid for a lot of this medication and had not, you know, um, I mean, I guess they, they asserted that they had a financial injury because they had to, you know, then provide people with health care. But, uh, uh, I mean, it just but you to see, me, there's a perfect example. It's like yeah. Government, yeah. Yeah. Tell, I mean, tell us about these, that, because yeah. I, I yeah. watching it from the sidelines, so, it just seemed very odd. <laughs> yeah. Look, all of this feels odd, right? Because at the end of the day, um, we talk a lot about how there's plenty of cases where you should go after corporate America. I've written about this, but you, but we, you're going to laugh. We just say cases should start with who got hurt. How can you find them and how much money did they get taken from them? And every case should end with sending a check to the people who were hurt. Now, you might think that that is the most simple way to run consumer protection. And when I was in Arizona, that's what we did when we settled the Volkswagen diesel emissions suit where they were lying. So cars had the same performance as gas. And they were lying about diesel cars. They made people pay $5,000 more to get these diesel cars. And at the end of the case, we were sending $1,000 to every Arizona consumer who had a diesel car. But those opioids cases, 
these these uh, privacy cases against big tech companies. Look, these companies are doing really bad things to consumers, and at the end of the day, the trial lawyers or the left wing bureaucrats, th- their idea of settling the case is we got a bunch of money and we're going to put it in some government bank account. Yeah. Or we're going to get this money and we're going to send it to a nonprofit to fight for consumers. But surprise, that nonprofit is super left wing. The the consumer comes last so often, and it seems so basic to us that every case should begin with, okay, somebody got hurt, great. How do we figure out who they were? How can we get them a check at the end of the case? Oh, we know how to do that? Great, let's go after this corporation for it, right? And there's so many cases that you could do that, but so much of consumer protection is focused on how do I create the biggest pot of money that I never have to send to anybody? And so look at opioids. I mean, McKinsey just settled this massive opioids case with the state. Right. The theory was that they were facilitating Purdue Pharma marketing opioids. I don't have a super strong opinion about whether McKinsey was bad or good or, you know, I, the details don't seem great for McKinsey. They settled the case for like $500 million. So one or two states are doing some work to send the money into communities, but most of that money just flowed into the state's account. 15 million of it went to this nonprofit National Association of Attorneys General that hosts, you know, shindigs for the AGs in Washington, D.C. And like none of the money went to people. And it's nobody went. It didn't go to a victim. It didn't go to victims families. So nobody in the opioid crisis themselves got anything out of it. And that's just like really bad. That's just basic blocking and tackling should be victims consumers get a check and if you don't and if you don't have a way to do that then chances are the case you're bringing is about ideology it's not about consumer protection because if you can't figure out how to get the money to a consumer then maybe that's a sign that you're just doing this case for a different reason and that's really the problem is that infected consumer protection is the left uses it as a tool they use it as a tool to get money into their political coffers, and they use it as a tool to push companies to do exactly what they want. And there's and companies' answer is, okay, you know, maybe just don't do anything. And so we've swooped in to say, no, you can you can sue companies, but then you send a check to a victim, you send a check to a consumer, and it sounds so simple and laughable, but in fact, nobody was doing that. Yeah. So question five, OH, is about where this money goes. You mentioned this already a little bit, but I mean, it seems like some of this, some of this money is, is really funding the left's agenda to go after the most basic structures of our constitutional system, uh, having an independent Supreme Court, the Electoral College, you know, people are, are after the United States Senate and, you know, this, this whole agenda that seeks to undermine the role of the role of states and and just the entire constitutional bargain. Uh, I mean, is is that do you do you see that as one of the major threats here that's being funded by this you know this sort of consumer protection racket? Yeah, the consumer protection racket is just the beating is part of the beating heart of the current left wing agenda. You know, we did an analysis on the shady trial or pipe. We, did, we call them shady trial or pipeline updates. And the last one we did just looked at some of them at the main political action committees that the trial lawyers fund. Uh, you know, and what we found 
is that in the last four years, 100% of their independent expenditures in political races at the federal level were for Democrats. And 99% of their kind of disbursements went to major things like major left-wing progressive hub organizations that were pushing exactly whatever the thing of the moment is on the left. So they're the ones pushing for uh, the, the fundamental changes to our democratic system. That's what they're pushing for. And that's what you know, so much of consumer protection is currently funding and why we're pushing back is that's an inappropriate thing to be doing. And it doesn't help consumers. It just helps the left. Um, and it's these progressive hub organizations that are making ever more outlandish claims about what's wrong with America or what's wrong with our democracy. You know, you know how many times have you heard that like the Senate is a gerrymander? It's just nuts. But they're pushing, pushing, pushing for these really out there attempts to change America's structure of government in a way that is um, fundamentally at odds with how our country is built. Yeah. Obviously, here at Save Our States, we couldn't agree with that more. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see these really basic structures come under attack, oftentimes sort of aided and abetted by the fact that our education system hasn't really taught most Americans our history and, uh, and the kind of civics that people used to, to learn that I think really sort of the glue that holds a society together. On, on that note, OH, our sixth question on the podcast is always, who is your favorite founding father and why? Yeah, okay, so you're going to get a very nerdy answer for me on this one. Uh, I think for Perfect. years I would have said Madison. I read a lot of the stuff. Uh, I had a class. I was lucky enough in college because I learned a little bit of civics. Uh, to your point, Trent, uh, where we read everything that Madison read at Princeton. And I always liked the the things he wrote that were about structuring America the way that we are, not a pure democracy, very much focused on it being a Republican form of government. But I will say that a very good friend of mine who is a, a federal judge has been giving this roadshow about founding fathers, and he's big on the anti-federalist. And he has, uh, he has infiltrated my brain. So I think my current favorite founding father is Brutus, who wrote a bunch. I don't, there's a debate about who Brutus really is. Yeah. But he was the leading anti-federalist. And I think because my friend has convinced me that the entire Bill of Rights and all of these things that we now have to rely on every day because the left is, is assaulting basic protections in our country, uh, we really owe it all to the leading anti-federalist because they didn't all think that the Constitution was the worst. In fact, they really just thought that things needed to be spelled out. And so we have our Bill of Rights because of them. And Brutus was the leading one of them. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give a, a tip to the anti-federalist founding fathers because they were part of the Constitutional Convention and their complaints led to the structure that we actually see now. Yeah, I like it. That's, you're the first person to mention an anti-federalist, let alone uh, Brutus. That's, that's a great answer. Hopefully said some of the the listeners and viewers out there uh, um, off yeah. to the library to read some of those essays. Really, it, it was really, it's so insightful, you know, for folks who've read the Federalist Papers to go and read the Anti-Federalist, some of those essays, like the ones by Brutus, uh, you know, I think help to give us an appreciation for just all of the, you know, the, the fact that, that I, sometimes we talk about the Founding Fathers, I think it sells them short because it, it, suggest that they were all unified and uh, we neglect the fact that they had all kinds of disagreements that they had to to work beyond uh, to create our country. 
Oh, wait. Well, I'll make one final plug, yeah, which go, is go uh, it. it's a little hard to find their work. But if anybody on the podcast is actually really interested in this, uh, there's a federal judge. His name is Andy Oldham on the Fifth Circuit, and he does a, a roving. He does a speech a couple times a year, uh, and you can look him up. He'll talk to you. You know, you'll see his speech. There'll be videos of it. But he goes through about about why the anti-federalists mattered. And I'll be honest, uh, he's convinced me. So maybe he'll convince you guys, too. Very good. O.H. Skinner, the executive director of the Alliance for Consumers, former solicitor general of the great state of Arizona. O.H., thank you for being on Six Questions. Thanks a lot, Trent. And keep up your good work. Absolutely. Thanks to all of you uh, listening, watching out there. We'll be back next week with another episode of Six Questions. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, you know, whatever social media you're on. Connect with us at our website, saveourstates.com. You can find uh, dozens of downloadable uh, uh, handouts and uh, other kinds of materials there to educate people about the importance of our unique system of states and our electoral college. Until next time, I'm Trent England for Save Our States.